This episode of Contracting Conversations is brought to you by BSCAI Smart Brief, a free weekly newsletter delivering curated industry news and information to your inbox each Thursday. Subscribe at bscaiorg smartbrief. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, a podcast series from the Building Service Contractors Association International. Through a series of interviews with entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives, this podcast aims to provide insights, trends, and tactics to support the growth and development of business owners serving the contract cleaning and facility maintenance industry. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, the official podcast of BSCAI. I'm your host, Lauren Leocoris. On this exclusive Executive Insights episode, I speak with Jim Harris, president of Janatronics Facility Services. Throughout the episode, Jim discusses his leadership style, what currently excites him most about the building services industry, and advice for those just starting out. Support for Contracting Conversations comes from our premier partners, 3M, Diversi, Karcher, and Team Software. Learn more about our partners and their category-leading solutions for contractors at bscaiorg partners. Jim, thank you so much for being part of the Contracting Conversations podcast. How are you today? Well, Lauren, how are you? Doing very well. Thank you. So first off, how did you get your start in the facility services industry? I got my start. I was just telling some of the story this weekend as I went to my daughter's graduation. I went to dinner with my mother and father on Saturday night at graduation. It started Monday in the industry. My father had started a janitorial company in 72 and then started a maid service in 1980 with five or six other BSCs that he had met through the association called the Maids International. And that Monday morning, 1984, I started one, 48 hours after I graduated, I started my career officially. I had interned a couple summers and done some different things, been around it. But um, I was talking to my marketing professor in the fall. He asked me what I would be doing. And I told him I didn't know yet. I had some opportunities. I was thinking of different things. And I told him about the family business. And he told me, if I don't do the maids, then I probably shouldn't graduate college because it had the ability to scale at desire or our level. We could scale to whatever we wanted. Insatiable demand. You wouldn't be able to keep up with it. And he told me the only problem will ever be, this is almost 37 years, 38 years ago, will be labor, which has been the only problem we've ever had forever in our industry. So been around it my whole life that my dad started the business 50 years ago, 1972. So it was always around conversations at dinner tables and things like that, bumping into customers at different places and employees. So I've been around it my whole life. Love it. Otherwise, I wouldn't still be in it. Excellent. And what excites you most about where the industry is headed? I think the last two years have given all of the BSCs and, and, and facility staff a chance to shine, to feel valued, to be appreciated, and to really differentiate yourself. A lot of things happened. There was a lot of government money put in. There was a lot of pressure on organizations. If you were a BSC in the right sectors, like health, pharma, uh, anything to do with health and sciences, you just your business exploded. If you were in manufacturing, you did well. Other sectors, education struggled, conventions and hotels and travel-related airports, they all struggled and cut staff. But if you're in the right sector the last couple of years, you really did well. 
I think what I see happening is I see more respect for the service. I see more awareness at higher levels in an organization, a customer's organization for the service. And I think that the opportunity has never been better, but you have to be ready. I think it's a tough place to enter right now to start from scratch. But if you've got a business that's got a base and a foundation, you have the right technology and the right training systems and the right partner, vendor partners, you should have a pretty good run for the next uh, five to six years. And then we'll see a slowdown. I mean, the economy couldn't stay this hot is what we've seen. So we'll see a little bit of an economic rollback. And I think that that economic rollback will hit us as will hit every sector, but we should still come out of it. If you're a good partnership place with your customers, you should come out of it pretty well. As president of Janatronics, can you speak to any challenges that you've had to overcome, especially in the last couple of years? <laughs> okay. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, you, you uh, framed that because <laughs> so we deal with pretty much entry level people. So the challenges and the stress on my team has always been frontline staff. I mean, just this morning, we're talking about ghosting and how many employees agree to come in or potential employees agree to come in. We onboard them, we process them, we background check them, we drug test them, we clear them, and then we never hear from or see them ever. And it's not a Janatronics problem. It's not a, a BSC problem. It's a really a U.S. problem with a lot of different employers. I was reading this weekend in the Wall Street Journal, just companies that are losing $100,000 people that never show up. I mean, they never show up after they accept and they go totally offline. So I think the biggest challenge in the last two years was keeping everybody calm. So we, we had to be courageous. We had to be calm and then keep culture in place when you've got cannons and, and bombs going off all around you and, and dealing with the we're in New York, so we're dealing with the government changing things literally at 11 a.m. press conference for a year. A new law would be presented, a new executive order would be presented, paid time off effective immediately, 14 sick days if you had COVID. I think balancing all that was tough. I think balancing family and, and work was tough and being essential was good. It was also a challenge. We can't work from home. So just filling in all those gaps was really challenging. And my stress and anxiety level went at a, a peak I've never felt before. And, you know, we were, business was good and we were doing well, but there's just so many things that were gnawing and coming at you from different directions. And you just need to learn to control what you can control, right? So if you don't control, you can't control everything. So if you control what you can control, then you have the ability to, to get through it. We're not through it yet. We look like a wave three is coming in and we need to be ready for it. And we, I think we will. But it's, it's going to be challenging. And then the labor force, right? How do we just get around that? How do we make that work better? How do we make people enrich in their jobs? How do we drive technology, equipment, and product to make our employees' jobs easier and as effective as they are now? A follow-up question I had for you is, what's your philosophy on retention and combating these higher turnover rates and the historical turnover rates? Let's put it this way. If I had the magic bullet, I wouldn't share it. <laughs> That's a competitive edge, but I don't think there's a magic bullet. I mean, it comes down to a lot of things, right? It comes down to the company having integrity. It comes down to doing what you say you're going to do. It comes down to, I equate it to this. Some of the things we're dealing with right now, you know, as a father of three kids, we spent a lot of time on fields in a lot of places and a lot of different sports. And it was always a fortunate thing for the coach or the players to blame the ref, right? You always blame the ref. And there's a lot of bad refs out there. And, you know, I tell my team, we're going to get, we got bad reps right now with some customers. They're bad refs. 
but we still got to play the game. We still got to play to win and we still got to overcome bad refing. You're always going to have that analogy out there, right? So we measure everything that we can and we look for challenges. You got managers that have short fuse or short tolerance level. They tend to fire quick. They hire quick and fire quick. That stuff you got to keep an eye on and then watch your ratios, right? So we've flipped it a little bit where we look at retention versus turnover. So our turnover has always been hovered between 70 and 85% when the industry is at 300%. We're still a little higher, probably still 300%. But we look at our managers that retain, right? They retain 90, 92%. And they have that last position or that last two or three positions turnover. When those guys, those are the ones you got to learn from. So we go right to our team. Hey, you got 92% retention. Why? Ask that question. Turn it back to them in, in a group setting. We do a lot of training. We give our employees everything they can to be successful. And we still deal with just crazy, crazy stuff. So, and we can't, and outside factors we can't deal with, right? We can't deal with that. In New York State, you got a split minimum wage. So one sector's 1350 and the other sector's 1550. So if you were in fast food, because it's fast food, it's $2 an hour more. What we find is people that want to work in fast food work in fast food, but they're not our employees. The other thing is we've seen a shortage of part-timers. Used to always have a part-time workforce that covered a lot of shifts between five and nine, six and 10, great second job. A lot of people did it, put kids through college, buy a boat, buy a second house, do whatever. That group's gone away a little bit because the front wage has gotten so high that they're making more on their main job. They don't need to work as much, which is great, right? So you got some wins and losers there. So, but the turnover question and retention question is, is age old. I'm a staunch believer you are today where you were three years ago, just it's amplified. So if you were moving and grooving in the right direction, you're, you're better now. And if you were struggling, you're, you're going to struggle again. You got some band-aids in between, but you're going to struggle. You're going to fall back into your old habits. So just finding new ways. We're constantly looking at different programs, incentives, but they're all short-lived and you don't want to be incentives, right? You're seeing now where you go to the airport, you buy, you pick up in the, you know, those aisles and the carts in the airport that have like food and drink. And now there's a tip line on that, you know, for them cashing me out. Why would I give you 20% to cash me out when I picked up the food myself? I scanned it myself because you couldn't figure it out. And then you've got a tip line there. But that's become kind of the, the society we're moving toward where everybody thinks that uh, we have to do that for everybody. But it's, it's tough. I mean, if we can get that answer, you know, there's simple things, pay benefits, time off. We changed uniforms. We had cotton uniforms and they got so hot in the summer and so cold in the winter that we went to the polyester blends. I mean, we tried to get out of polyester in the eighties and seventies, but now we're back into polyester full blown, <laughs> but that's just that kind of thing. Like how do you make a comfortable uniform top? How do you give them equipment that fits and works well? How do you recognize a backpack vacuum isn't for everybody? I mean, where can you put them? And then customer mix, pick the right customer so your employees can succeed. You know, we have some customers that, when it's, it has to be 10 out of 10 to get a passing grade on the first day, it's not going to be a, a long-term relationship. You need to have some flexibility for some give and take and no business runs at hundred percent quality wise and things like that. If you do your, there, I don't know anyone that does. So, I mean, you go to the same restaurant 50 times in four years, you're bound to get a dish that isn't as well as it is every time. Then as they raise the standard, the other things come in. So really tough, sorry, so wordy answer, but really really key to business success now. And like I said, if you flip it into retention ratio, the amount you retain, then you can measure, and then just drive through your data and see where your turnover is. 
we measure by job, by supervisor, by pay rate, by region, by area, by city. You can, you can run it a hundred different ways through our, through our database. So look, use the data to, to try and figure out your answers. So how would you personally describe your leadership style? And is there any advice that you could give to those who are preparing to assume a leadership role? So I'm, uh, I'm constantly learning. I went back to school and took an exec ed program at 50. It was three years, a month a year for three years. I went back and did that just to make sure I was sharp and, and fine-tuned. My one lesson from there is I went too late. I should have gone at 40 because most of the class was in their 30s and 40s. So learn, always learn, listen, listen to what's going on around you, listen to what's going on in your company, listen to what's going on in your customers, listen to, to social groups. You got to show courage in tough times. You can't show softness or, or fear, no matter what's going on. And it was tough. I mean, talk about testing your ability in business to run a business through a pandemic and meet payroll for a couple thousand people. And you know, our cash just stopped for literally seven, eight, 10 weeks. And also build a good team. Surround yourself with people that have the skills you don't have. Learn your skills. Empathy is important. Understanding others. Communication is vital. And respect. So we do a lot of respect type thing. I show respect to everybody I can until they get me upset. And then we become, they feel disrespected, but they're just being talked to a little more aggressively. So... But yeah, I mean, from a new leader standpoint, there's a bunch of different programs out there like an emerging leader program or, or leadership skill programs. There's some videos online. I took a class about 20 years ago on just emerging leader. I was already running a few hundred person department, but I needed just to make sure that I was dotting the I's across the T. So I still read a lot and still learn a lot through peer groups, through CEO forums and through different alumni groups I'm in but constantly, constantly getting better, constantly trying to get better, right? What's the best piece of advice you've received throughout the course of your career? And if there are multiple pieces of advice, you can speak to all of them. I know it's, it's hard to narrow it down to just one. So my best piece of advice I received through the course of my career, I think it was really fortunately surrounded by my father and a bunch of his friends that were very successful business people, both in the industry and outside the industry. It was really about learning to be the best you can be in your in your role. Always learning, like I said just a few minutes ago, always learn, always listen, always show respect. I started working at 12 in a restaurant that my uncle owned, and I did that for a few years. And the only reason I got out of that was nights and weekends. And then I ended up working in the janitorial business, which is nights and weekends, right? Seven. But the restaurant business was you were literally locked into a building and you had to be there. If you weren't there, your staff stole from you. Your customers weren't treated properly in some cases, but it was confining to me. It was confining. I couldn't see, even at 18, 19 years old, I couldn't see where it would get broader or better. It was limited to the number of seats we had, the number of times we could turn over the seats and, and things like that. So my best advice was just find, college professor told me to find a scalable business, duplicate, repeat, and get out of the way, you know, that, that activity. I've always had people I can call and bounce things off of. And just, we did a wellness bonus at Christmas this year. So we didn't do a holiday pay, we didn't, it's a wellness bonus. If you had taken the time to get the shots, then you were rewarded. And we gave people three more months. We ended up getting 97% of our administrative team and management team vaccinated through that program. We were at 90 before it started and we were able to move the bar from 72% to 88% in weeks. 
just by doing a little, and it wasn't a lot. People were paying more for the unvaccinated, but I kept listening to all the people that were trying to figure out how to get the unvaccinated there. And I'm sitting looking at my group and I got 90% vaccinated and 72% vaccinated. And I'm saying, why are we going to reward those that aren't doing this when all these other people did it? So we flipped it hundred percent, bounced that off about five or six people. People thought I was crazy and people were going to walk out on me, but after some courageous decisions, and of course, multiple legal opinions to make sure we weren't getting ourselves in trouble, we were able to, to flip that. And that's just from the value of a peer group, the value of, of reaching out to other CEOs in different industries. It's fortunate you get a net, you can build a network to get advice, right? So, and then give advice with sincerity. And do you have any words of wisdom for those who are just starting out in the industry? I know you mentioned earlier that it's becoming increasingly difficult to break in. So any advice that you have for those folks that are looking yeah, to start their own business? You know, we're, we're in a beautiful industry. It's a tough industry. I think the most important thing I would do you know, if you could start over from scratch, I would make sure that I have really good management. I have really good technology and some of that's expensive, right? But you got to have good people. We've always had the policy of replacing with better quality when someone retires or leaves. So we always try to up the bar a notch and, and you do that so many times. And then, and it's worked for us as a company corporately around the our regional managers are the best we've ever had. Our executive team is the best we've ever had. Our leadership departments are the best at the training, the best we ever had. But it's it's not like that, right? So look at your step costs, write a plan, have a plan, bring a partner in if you need to, or a consultant in for that planning process. But really have a plan, try to stick to the plan. And the biggest tip I can give you is, is pick good customers. Because if you pick the bad customers, I'll give you a quick story. So living in upstate New York, we get snow. We get a lot of snow. And this guy moves into our neighborhood and he's late thirties and he's gonna, he's at law school. He's a great guy, but he decides he's gonna go into snow removal business. And the reason he's gonna go into snow removal business is he was at a bar with some friends and they were talking about how all the companies in town stink. And he's telling me the names of the people he's already got deals with. And I know all of them and they're all bad people. And I don't mean bad people like dishonest. They just don't want to pay a lot of money for services. So if my service was 20,000, they want to pay 8,000, right? So we, we signed the contract with them. We get started four days later, we get 37 inches of snow in one day. And he forgot to pick up his tractor with the snowblower on it. Then he went to get it and he forgot the key. It was a comedy of errors and everything else. So I'm in the driveway talking to him, my car, I backed my car out and I got lifted off the ground in the snow and I couldn't, all wheels were spinning. So I, I need to get in. We got a big all hands call. I got a bunch of things I've got to do. And I got to get into the office despite the three feet of snow. He's telling me about his customers. And I said to him, so why do you think you're going to succeed in, in what you're doing? And he's like, well, I got this and this. And he's going on and on and on. Well, the problem is he never had a dry run. He had to go day one. He gets 37, 39 inch, whatever it was. Ridiculous amount of snow. Equipment's breaking all over town. He forgot keys. He forgot his, it, it was that was Thursday, Saturday, I get an email from me shutting the business down. <laughs> so that's talk of not prepared, no business plan, information from a bar, right? Those are the things you don't do. And really, you know, pick your customers, right? Because basically the customers were screaming so much, they're like telling them not gonna, they're, they're breaking their contract in the middle of the first day. So very important that you do that. Good management, good plan, good customers. 
and then make sure you get a good cash flow plan so that you don't suffocate yourself. This business can devour cash because of payroll and slow payers. So just be aware of all those things. Are there any interesting facts about yourself that you would like to share with our listeners? I'm a passionate learner about business. I love everything about our business and, and just understanding business. I like to spend time golfing, boating, skiing, outside, hiking. I'm uh, I'm a great dancer for 80s music and 70s music and anything with Michael Jackson in the work. So I got to just be aware if something happens. You know, I have disco lights and everything that could be turned on instantly. And, you know, and just take time to enjoy and, and spend time with friends and family and and others, I enjoy that a lot. And just helping people as much as we can, as much as I can. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contracting Conversations from BSCAI. If you liked what you heard and want to find out more or listen to previous episodes, head over to bscaiorg podcast. There, you can also subscribe to our newsletter so you never miss industry news, updates, and great tips. Subscribe to Contracting Conversations on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And learn more about our community on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.